Over 1,000 Pakistani girls are estimated to be the victims of honor killings by their relatives each year. Recently, a prominent Pakistani social media star was strangled to death by her brother on the charge of dishonoring the family. In his confession, the brother took pride in the murder and said, girls are born to stay home and follow traditions. Shockingly, this is a practice that has reached our own shores. To defeat Islamic terrorism, we must also speak out forcefully against a hateful ideology that provides the breeding ground for violence and terrorism to grow. It's a breeding ground. It's a terrible, terrible breeding ground. You have said you don't want Marla to work. You actually said no. on, yeah, on the day of the wedding, actually. I, th I think I'm probably mixed. I have days where I think it's great. And then I have days where if I come home and, you know, I don't want to sound too much like a chauvinist, but when I come home and dinner's not ready, I go through the roof. Um, I'm recording already, so feel free. Okay, cool. So, so I read your book, and I was expecting a story about Kandil Baloch. Baloch? Baloch. 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 And yeah. what it turned out to be was a lot more. It was about this kind of big world that she's in and it's like this old patriotic system in this conservative country in pakistan in this case and you've got this mm -hmm. like new technological revolution internet social media and you kind mm. of explore these spaces where these two kind of combine together and you kind of show how women are not just women but people in general but mostly women how they're dealing with this new kind of in these new spaces and and the effects of it and how it's impacting mm. their lives uh did you kind of plan on doing that or did you go in kind of just focused on her i think i started out very much focused on her because she was such an interesting person to me um when i found out that she'd been killed I was kind of amazed at the details that were coming out about her life. Um, we'd sort of been so transfixed by the image of this woman on social media and everything that she was doing would always go viral. We'd be talking about it. We'd make fun of her. There were memes. Um, there were jokes. And I don't think any of us paused long enough to say, well, who is this person really? Where has she come from? How has she suddenly become so big? She holds our attention. How does she manage to do all of this? And what's her story? And when we started finding out details, like where she was really from, from this small village in southern Punjab, the fact that she'd been married, she'd had a child, she'd left that marriage. Um, she had all of the stuff that had happened to her before she kind of was on our radar. That was the stuff that amazed me, that how do you manage to hide all of that in this day and age when you're such a public persona? And how do you keep us interested in what you're doing? But then as I started to look more and more at her, I knew that she was such a, such a brilliant curator of her own image and she really understood her audience. And then I wanted to find out more about that audience. Like, what were we looking at when we looked at her? What kept us engaged? How did she know us so well? Um, what did she know about us? What was her image really reflecting back about ourselves? And then it, it, it opens up, as you say, into a story about the place and about the people that enabled her to become as famous as she did. And it's the same place that turns around and says, 
we cannot tolerate you. We have no space for someone like you. There's this character in this. There's a character in the story, which is honor. I would say this concept mm-hmm. of honor. It plays a really big. It's like a character in its own on the story. It's like a yeah. huge role. And I'm wondering, like, where did this concept like come from in in Pakistani? I mean, it's in South Asia, all over, and Arab countries. But since we're focusing on Pakistan, let's just focus on that. Where mm-hmm. did like this concept of honor kind of come from? And do you have any ideas or any theories of how this kind of just became a root in Pakistani culture? I mean, I don't think it's just Pakistani culture. I think we have it under different names in all cultures. Right, right. Where but in this, even I mean, the idea of your sense of self or your respect or your pride where does it lie it lies in the most vulnerable what you believe to be the most vulnerable part of yourself which is the woman that's by your side whether that's your mother sister daughter wife i think there is this idea that that's where yeah that is the most vulnerable part of you i don't know maybe that's where it comes from it's uh yeah wouldn't, wouldn't you say i don't know my theory was that i'm probably wrong but it's it's like a power, preserving the power kind of system. And... Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many facets to this. I think that you could have an entire like hour of your podcast just devoted to the idea of honor. And, you know, where does that idea even come from? Why has it taken root in this country the way that it has, in our culture the way that it has? How is it perpetuated? How is this something that we just cannot seem to shake? Right. How it's really not a question. I mean, it's a cross class. It's a cross. It's not about how educated you are, how where you live, where you're from, how rich or poor. It's it's none of that. It's really it. It sort of transcends all of that. How does right. that happen? And and yeah. and where uh, Kandil was from, the world that she came from and originated from. How mm-hmm. how was that world, and how much of honor played a big part in that small village that she grew up in? I mean, I think that it once people found out um, what she was doing and found out that she was sort of this big social media celebrity. And once it was a way to attack her family and especially her brothers, that was a huge turning point for her. Um, Her brothers knew what she'd been doing. They knew that she was an actress, a singer, a model. um, And they were very content with things to remain the way that they were as long as nobody else knew. Once the world found out and once the world turned around and said, you're so shameful, your sister does this and you don't seem to care. Um, What does that say about you? That's when the stakes were raised. That's when everything changed for her. So it's definitely, yeah, it plays a huge role in what happened to her. When when her passport came out and you kind of find out who she really is, do you think Mm. that, that, that event was the before and after in her life? Or do you think it was when she started messing around with, when she started pissing off the Muslim cleric. cleric. Yeah. Was that the before and after? Because I mean, all of those things happened in such close, um, like it was, it was one thing after another where she had um, the meeting with the cleric, Mufti Abdul Kavi in this hotel room. And then there's a, he said, she said, where she turns around and like accuses this cleric of behaving inappropriately with her. He becomes a national joke. Um, he loses all power, all status, whatever he derived his reputation or um, his respect from. Sorry, you will hear the dog. I'm so sorry about that. It's okay. um, so she challenges this man. He reacts very badly to it. 
right after that, her real name is revealed, um, her family name, where she's from, the picture of her NIC runs in the newspaper. Then right after that, we see this, you know, her husband, her ex-husband being interviewed on TV. It was like one thing after another mm-hmm. that slowly you, you pull on one thread and then the whole thing is starting to unravel before her. Um, the passport, so it was really, I think, a combination of all of that. The passport kind of was, I, I think, a, an important thing because you kind of, she goes from high class, because she would lie about where she's from and she's rich. She mm. would say that she's rich and she would say she's, she doesn't need money. And then all of a sudden the passport comes out and you... I mean, I think we always treated her as such, though. When she put on, when she, yeah. So when you watch her videos and you see that she's speaking in English in many of them, um, she'll put on like an American accent, even when she's doing interviews, the way that she talks. Or when she says things like, you know, I don't need to do any of this for money. I just do it because I like it. I'm not doing it to be famous. I think she had a really, really good understanding of, in our society and in our culture, who is allowed to get away with certain kinds of behavior? Who do we accept it from? Whether that's the way you dress or the way you talk or the things that you say, and who is considered quote unquote low class or cheap for doing Mm -hmm. those things. So she really had a good sense of that. And I think we always treated her as, no, you're so trashy or what you're doing or the way you dance or the clothes you wear, the way you show your body. Whereas if you look at some of our actresses or models or, you know, we don't maybe have the same response to them. Um, and I think she was really aware of that. I think the, the, the fact that when her name came out and when her identity card, when a, when a picture of that was published in the paper, it was just another thing to attack her on. Like, mm-hmm. you're not who you say you are. And this is who you're really, this is where you're really from. This is who you are. And they uncovered details about her family and things like that. It was just another way to attack her. I don't think we ever believed that she was quote unquote, not low class or whatever. Mm-hmm. Her brother kills her in the end. Mm-hmm. Where is he now in prison? Yeah, yeah, he is. So he was found guilty. Um, and his brothers uh, who are also um, living outside of Pakistan, they were brought back to Pakistan for questioning. And yeah, I mean, Mufti Kavi walked free. He was found not guilty. Of what is he up to these days? I actually, I saw something on Twitter the other day where some video has come out or there's some sort of screen grabs from some video where he's, he seems to be dancing with someone, uh, a woman. I really, I, I didn't nice. want to look. I know I didn't want to look closer at it, but I mean, just this is just from what I read on Twitter. But apparently, he says, "No, that's that's not me in the video because I I don't own you know a shirt that color. I never have." But so he's, <laughs> it's the same same variety of stuff. Yeah, he's up to the same tricks, I think. Do you think that law that they changed kind of had a big impact on society or do you think it just the honor killing just kind of continues on? Well, we can see that there continue to be cases every day. Every day you look at the newspaper and there's, I mean, I think just today when I was going through the papers, there's two more cases and those are the ones that are mentioned. I think that this is something that you can't just change a law and expect that it is going to, you get to cross out the problem entirely. Uh, This is a societal problem. It's a lot to do with just how we think in terms of men and women and the control that we can exert over someone that behaves badly or steps out of line, uh, that challenges the status quo or our power in any way. 
Um, there's a lot of things that are illegal to do and we continue to do them with impunity. So I definitely think changing the law is needed, but you need to have a complete overhaul starting from the way the police or the courts function when such crimes are reported. The fact that, you know, I mean, the fact that a lot of these crimes take place within families and how families can close ranks when someone does something like this, now that they know that there isn't a chance to just walk free. So how does that function? I think when you talk to a lot of lawyers and activists and they say that this actually just makes their job harder because people turn around and they hide the crime, they hide the motivations for it. Police will turn up at a house and the family will say, oh no, this woman, she it's actually a case of suicide. She killed herself um, when it's actually an honor killing. So are we really getting the real numbers then? Um, are we able to actually look at what's happening? Are those crimes actually being prosecuted? I think changing the law is one step. There needs to be a lot else that happens. And the rot is so deep just within our society in terms of how we think that we can punish people that behave differently or want to step out of line or do something a bit differently or break the rules. Um, I think that needs to definitely be looked at as well. You can't just change the law and expect everything's going to get better. I remember there was this picture of this Pakistani actress named Mahira Khan, Mahira Khan mm, and she was yeah. smoking and it was yeah. such a big deal. And I'm, I'm trying to yeah. figure out why it was such a big deal. And it turned out that it I was I mean, so then when smoking. we come back to what you and I were just talking about with, you know, Kandil having an accent and um, saying, you know, she's from a rich family and things like that. When, if, if there was an image of her wearing a dress like that and, um, you know, standing out on the street and smoking or whatever, I I mean, both women, all power to them. They can do that if they wish. But there is going to be one woman that will have people step up behind her and support her and say, no, it's her right to do whatever she wishes. She's an independent woman. She can live her life exactly how she pleases. And there's going to be another one where everyone's kind of quiet and doesn't say very much. And so there's an entire army of people online that will turn around and say, see, we told you she's trashy. We told you she's really cheap and low class. So... Yeah, when you look at instances like that, both women are going to be judged, but there is going to be one that gets to maybe brush it off a little bit easier or get some measure of support and can move on with her career. And it doesn't seem to maybe affect her career as much. With with one of them, uh, Candil, everybody was quiet when it came to when she needed support. Everybody was quiet. But after she died, mm -hmm. a lot of people... Yeah, who were quiet became all of a sudden pro Candil. Very vocal, and a lot of people who had really criticized her or said very um, said things about her that were not so nice went back and deleted those tweets and removed those. <laughs> how did you how did you deal and... with the fakeness? How did you see, <laughs> how did you deal with that? I mean, I think a lot of it is just how do we absolve ourselves? How do we dodge the question of how complicit we are in what happened to this young woman? I, I think, you know, all right, if you want to come out and say, you know what, I feel really terrible about what's happened to her and things that I said about her in the past, like it was all fun and games, it's not anymore. All right, great. You're admitting that maybe you were part of the problem. But to sort of turn around and put her on a pedestal and say, oh, she's a feminist icon for our times, I think that's just absolving ourselves of any role we may have played in what happened to this young woman. And to make someone an icon and to sort of, I, I'm not interested in that. I think even with this book, I wasn't interested in, I knew that I was dealing with the story of someone that so many people 
cared about so deeply and so many young men and women were so affected by her death and really, really felt it um, and felt just how terrible it was and felt, and they were attacked for even just voicing support. So I, I knew that there were a lot of people that cared very deeply about her, but at the same time, I can't just tell a story that's for them. I'm telling you the story of an actual person, um, all the good bits, all the bad bits, it's not to put someone on a pedestal and say, oh, I'm going to write like, you know, the story of their life and the life of this feminist icon for our times. That's not going to tell you anything about this place or who we are or what role we may have played in what happened. There were, when you were trying to find the story, her story, it seemed mm -hmm. like the two people that would probably were the most reliable or at least who had the right to tell the story would be the parents. But there are so many characters that you had to talk to that just seemed like they loved the camera and they loved the attention. Yeah, yeah. That must, and even as I'm reading this, it just frustrates me that like these yeah. people are just so exploitive of this situation. <laughs> I don't know. I felt bad for you, and I felt like suffocated when I was reading this. How did you kind of like pass all that? It was really difficult initially because, I mean, I'd never met this woman, had never even spoken with her, like not even on the phone, nothing. And all my work so far, like had been like, it's very much the person you're talking about or you're writing about, at least you're going to meet them, you're going to interview them. And suddenly I'm in a position where I'm writing about this person's life, writing a book about them. And I haven't had a single interaction with them. Mm -hmm. That was really, really daunting. And you're also dealing with a person that has such a public persona that has this huge amount of material out there online. Any Facebook live she did, any Instagram posts, any tweets, like whatever it was, there was all of this stuff out there. But it wasn't, it was always her in character. It was her presenting a version of herself that she knew we wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And so I was really scared about, well, how do I really understand who this person is and what she's like or what her story was? Because even with the parents, for instance, I'm talking to people that have had this terrible, unimaginably sad and difficult thing happen to them. And they're talking about their child, but there's a lot of parts of her life which it's still difficult for them to talk about. They were in a position when I met them where if they were mourning her, the people in their community, in their village, considered them equally shameless. Like she was bringing so much shame and disrespect to you. Your son took care of the problem. Why are you now sitting and feeling sad about it? And why are you pursuing a case against your son? You're equally shameless. I think that's such a difficult, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. But when you're meeting all these people who are sort of really milking the situation for all it's worth and they want their 15 minutes of fame and they understand all the things to say. So I met a lot of people, for instance, who would be like, we were such close friends and we would talk all the time and um, we would message back and forth. And if you'd say, oh, can I see the messages? No, my phone <laughs> died. My, you know, so, like there was always some excuse. Yeah. And I, I just decided then that firstly, you know, you, this person's social media persona, her social media self is just as valid, just as interesting, and just as revealing as any quote unquote real self. I think really? there is this blurring right now between who we are in private and who we present ourselves as, and this curation of the self. Both facets are equally interesting to me. 
Um, and I'm not going to discount one over the other. I think, I think with her particularly, both were really, really revealing. Her, her social media self told me so much about us and about this country and my generation of Pakistanis. Um, so, and another, and another thing that just on an ethical level that I started to think about was this woman, you know, throughout, like from the time that her real name was revealed and all this stuff about her life, she didn't she didn't use that time to say okay you know what i'm going to tell you everything about myself she she did a couple of interviews tv interviews after that she didn't want to talk about it at the time it was really distressing to her that this stuff had come forward by force she hadn't chosen to reveal it and i started to think about okay well i have all this information and i've learned all of this stuff about this person's life she has no way of talking back right now. She has no way of correcting the record. She has no way of saying anything. Do I have the right to reveal all of this? What's the purpose of doing that? And if the purpose is purely to feed a curiosity about her, I really don't want to do that. And so anytime that I would think, okay, does this thing that I found out, does this, should this be in the book? The only way that it would be in the book is if it leads to a bigger story or a greater understanding of the place or the people or what was going on at the time. So I had that rule for myself. If it was purely going to be in there because it fed someone's curiosity about Kambil's life, it wasn't going to be in there. And I think with a lot of people when they say like, oh, like, did you learn? Like, was she really a prostitute or was she like, was she a call girl? Did she like, is that how she made her money? It's not my job to answer those questions for you. It's my job to ask you why you want to know. Mm. Why do you want to know this about this young woman? What is it going to, what is it going to give you? Does it make it easier for you to judge her? Does it make it easier for you to say, see, like she was doing exactly what I thought she was doing. I knew she was a bad girl. Like I knew she was doing all this stuff on the side. Is it a way for you to say, oh, it's so terrible what happened to her. But look, like if you're going to do this kind of stuff, like this is what's going to happen to you. What are you, why do you need that information? Why do you need that story? And so I kind of, I've forgotten by this point what your question is. I'm not even sure if I've answered. Just, just keep talking. It's fine. Just say whatever's in your heart. I don't mind. I mean, yeah, it was, did you, it was did very you... daunting to deal with like, okay, who is the real Kandil? And then I was like, nobody but Kandil has the right to answer that. It's, it's my job to say all of these bits, even the ways in which people remember her, whether that's, a, you know, they're talking through their grief or they're talking because they want me as a journalist to interview them and they want their name in this book. All those bits are equally important. All of them are telling you something about this place and this woman's life and how she lived here did did you okay so people coming in reading this book probably had kind of like a a box kind of mentality where they were kind of had an image of her and an idea of her and they have their own mm. pre-biased consumptions right some people you like you said she deserved what she got and some mm. people are like no she's more than that do you think there were people you you satisfied their kind of thinking and kind of no, because they're very vocal about <laughs> They're really vocal about that. They message me on Instagram and they say, I didn't learn anything in this book that I didn't already know about her. And I'm like, well, thank God for that. That's no, but there are some job. cool, there are some like, you do kind of like humanize her, right? You kind of really yeah. add oh, a yeah. lot of in that, in that respect, I mean, yes, she I took do. care of her family, which was, I thought was such yeah. a heartbreaking thing that this woman was really, you know, even though she became something else, she still yeah. kind of looked back to her roots and she took care of her family and she gave money oh, to her yeah. brother. 
and there was I don't all this think kind it's of easy beauty. at all in this yeah in this the way that this society functions to be a single woman to to be financially independent to support your family it's a big deal and what she managed to do to make a name for herself um it's so yeah i i think that has been one of the most gratifying parts of this uh is when i started when the book came out um over here in south asia and i started getting a lot of messages from people in pakistan who bought the books for young women who bought the books for their parents for their grandparents um they would send me messages from them uh they would send me pictures of them with the books or yes, they nice. even just a lot of young men and women who said you know i really judged her i really thought she was just this um attention seeking um this girl who just became obsessed with social media and she would keep doing all this cheap stuff just to get our attention but i mean they read it and then they learn more about her life and i think they understand her better and they understand the system within which she was working they understand yeah. that better because even you know the parts about what it's like to start out as a no name model yeah. that just kind of does the circuit at these fashion shows and the kind of people that you have to deal with and what that side of entertainment and show business is like i think a lot of us haven't encountered it we'll see like mahira we'll see like oh the latest like lux model or whatever but how have those women gotten there if you don't come from a rich family or you're not like connected or how do you work your way up how do you manage something like that someone from within the entertainment industry actually messaged me and she was like i had no idea that they were paid this amount and that to her was just shocking mm. and yeah so i think that's been really really gratifying when people do message and say you know it it makes a huge difference to know all of this about her and women like her It's not just about her. Yeah, which is, and you also kind of use that the same spaces that you talk about right now. You also kind of explore the dating part of it too, where men and women are mm -hmm. kind of seeing each other. And before they yeah. used to be kind of like secluded, but now yeah. you have this internet, and now you have this new yeah. space where they can come in. And the, and if the guy is kind of a, he's preying on her, he can get away mm -hmm. with a lot and do a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, I want to add that you have these stories in this book that are like have a very sad ending. And when I would Google them, <laughs> all right, yeah, you know, when I would, I'm, I'm from, I'm from Canadian. I grew up in Canada, right? So this is kind of, mm. you know, new for me. So as I'm googling these stories just to see like more about it, and I click mm. on Google Images, mm. people take photos of them, of their, of their, like one girl is hanged, and there's photos yeah. of her being hanged, and I'm like, how, yeah. how the the exploitation continues on after mm. they die? There's like no mm. rest. For that, mm -hmm. that to me was kind of like a shock. Even with Kandil, there's photos of her uh, dead. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, when do you, there's no line drawn. And and the media is the one that's publishing it. So it's like. I mean, it's interesting when, yeah, you do consider. I, firstly, I think you've ruined your search history for a long time. It's going to take you a while to get back to, you know, some baseline of normal. So I feel sad for you. Um, but secondly, Yeah, with these women, it's also interesting when you consider that that image of Kandil, and I think you're talking about the student that was yes, who's uh, body, yeah, yeah, right. So that was really um, sad. When you think about those cases, and you think about you know the Urdu newspapers that will run those images on their front page, and you think about the fact that when Kandil would say you know put up a picture where she's wearing like a sexy dress or she looks really 
good or she says you know do you think I look sexy today and the dress is a little bit revealing or whatever it is that picture will never run we are more comfortable with seeing the image of a dead woman than a woman who is being sexual in any way which one makes which one is more disturbing to us which one are we more used to which one is more acceptable which one is going to run on the front page of a paper and people are going to just sort of move on to the next page um so yeah it's it's i think that's something that i found deeply disturbing what what are we able to see and what are we okay with what has become normal for us when you were writing up this book did you get and after the release did you get a lot of threats and hate and mm, i didn't get threats um i did get hate but they would always end up usually they would always end up in my inbox so it's people who would just say things like um what kind of muslim works on something like this why would you spend your time doing something like this um why do you want to keep talking about this woman she's dead and gone now she's bringing a bad name to pakistan and you're going and writing this book and now it's all over the world and so there was a lot of anger about that that why can we not just shut up about her and every year when she's remembered every year when it's you know either her birthday or the day she was killed and people remember her you'll see that backlash come again and it flares up from time to time i think people just want to forget that it happened they think that she got what she deserved and she was punished and there was yeah from time to time i think i'll still get it it's a lot less now the thing that was disturbing to me was when bookshops over here uh refused to either display the book or talk about it or even sort of put it up on their social media pages because you know it had her face on the cover it had her name in the title and they what really you know you're talking about like exploitation that continues even after you die those are the same spaces that profited off of this book it sold out it sold out again it was on its third reprint the book was doing well um i'm just talking about pakistan here and people were buying it but there were universities that canceled events really there were yeah there were a lot of places where i would be interviewed by someone and you spend a lot of time talking to someone um and then you hear back from them and they're like sorry my editor says we don't want to run anything to do with kandil so the interview gets pulled um okay. i had i had a bunch of places cancel on events and things like that that was really really sad to me because why is it that we're why do we not want to talk about what happened to her why are we so concerned about what the reaction is going to be i remember one library over here um had an event planned and then they it was right before the book was going to come out and then they canceled the event and i i wanted to talk to them and say you know what's what's the concern here and they said yeah we're just worried about you know the angle with the cleric and what you're going to say and i was like look i i live in pakistan i work here i understand the environment here i'm not going to put anyone at risk because of something i have decided to put in a book i'm really really aware of that and i said do you want a copy of the book like it it wasn't out here yet and i was like do you want a copy of the book and you just read it and just tell me if anything in it worries you They said, "Yeah, no, we don't have time to read the book." And I was like, "Well, you're a library, so what exactly are you doing with your time?" So it was things like that which were disheartening. But then honestly, at the same time, the amount of people that just stepped up and were so supportive and just through social social media, they would share pictures of the book or 
um, this one journalist in Islamabad, she works for NPR and she reached out to me and said, you know what, like your events here have been canceled. I will pay for you to fly here to Islamabad, come do an event at my house. We'll open it up to the public. That was a big deal um, for her to be so supportive. She'd never met me, didn't have anything to do with me. And she did that. And then other people came forward. Other women came forward and said, yeah, do it at my house. And to open your house to strangers who you have no idea they're going to come there. Like, are they people that enjoyed the book? Are they there because they're mad at what was in the, like, you have no idea and you're inviting them into your home. So things like that were just, I never, ever expected that kind of response. And that just really makes up for all of it. Anything bad that happened. It, it is a very important book. Uh, all my cousins in Pakistan were sending me and asking me to talk to you and to put Oh, that's there. really sweet. I'm all of a sudden the cool cousin that when they find out that me and you talk. <laughs> all right, so thank you for that. My pleasure. Um, she would, uh, Imran Khan, Prime Minister. How do you like him? God, okay. How do you feel about him? Um... These days, I'm kind of... I'm sure you've been following the news no. from Pakistan. No? No. Okay, I... well... Um, so, there's been a really big case, um, a horrible case of a rape that took oh, place. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Right. Yes. So, this is... I mean, just in case people haven't heard of this, this is an instance where a woman and her three children were um, on the motorway, pulled over to the side because she ran out of fuel, was waiting for assistance. And a couple of men um, dragged her out of her car, raped her in front of her children. It's it's just really horrific from start to finish. Um, and the response from our leaders has been frustrating. It's been extremely sad to see. And I think a lot of people were really hoping that our prime minister would kind of step up and um, really ensure that the response to this, whether it's from the police or how the investigation is carried out or how the media reports on it would really kind of look at it and say, this is not okay. This is not right. This should not be happening. And instead the conversation has gone to, I mean, he's done an interview where he talks about, I think that anyone convicted of these crimes should be publicly hanged, should be castrated. So now it's, it's taken this really bizarre turn where you're looking at, okay, do you really think that that's going to be something that solves this problem? Do you think that women are going to feel safer? Do you not understand that that's not a solution to this, that you require a complete overhaul of how we deal with this problem, whether that's in courts, whether that's the way we talk to our children, whether that's how safe women feel out in men and women, honestly. So these days, if we're going to talk about Imran Khan, I am quite disappointed uh, with how he's dealt with this. I think it would have meant so much to so many women if he just dealt with it differently or just been empathetic or taken a slightly different approach. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the nicest way for me to put that right now. Did he ever speak about uh, Kandil after she died or when she died? Um. No, no, okay. no. Cause... she had, I think there was a lot of joking about it because she had said yeah. repeatedly that she had a crush on him and um, that she wanted him to marry her and things. And it was just kind of treated as a joke. I think even when she'd mention it um, on Twitter or whatever, people would be like, oh my God, why would he even look at a woman like you and you aren't fit to be like, it was just a lot of commentary like that. But I don't think he ever said anything about that. Okay. 
Um, this is probably a deep question, but I always mm-hmm. wondered this: if 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 the founder of Pakistan, Qaeda Azam, and if he were to mm-hmm. rise from the dead, and he saw, <laughs> and he saw what what his country is now, mm-hmm. do you think how do you think he would feel? I mean, I I think obviously disappointed and horrified and kind of. Um, maybe he'd go back and say, hey, maybe I should have made things a little bit clearer in terms of, you know, the separation of like faith and how, you know, the government functions and your religion and the state and things like that. I do think, though, that we would never have a leader like him today. We would never tolerate someone like him today. If you consider his personal life, if you consider his approach towards religion or how he talked about it, I don't think we're tolerant of any of those parts of him. Um, yeah, there's a certain sort of uh, whitewashing that's been going on with him or his ideas or things we talked about. Uh, the way the kids in school learn about him. Um, I don't think how, we have any great, yeah. How do they understanding learn about him? Of, I think it's, you know, it's very much like uh, Pakistan ka matlab kya la ilaha illallah. That's what we learned, right? Like it's, right, it's a country okay. that was made for Muslims. It's the Muslim, it's like, um, this was this amazing experiment where Muslims got to have a homeland that was just for them. It's very much a focus on that versus, okay, let's look at some of the ideas behind that independence movement, or let's look at some of the things that he talked about in terms of how do you treat those that aren't Muslim? What kind of nation are we building? Um, what do we want this place to look like? How do we see ourselves? Um, what kind of future do we want for ourselves? It's such a brave thing to take on. It's such a big thing and such an ambitious thing to take on to create an entirely separate country, to have an imagination that allows you to do that, to be able to sort of make that happen and then to see it devolve into what it has. Um, yeah, I think it's it's difficult. And I don't think we learn enough about that in school. At least I didn't. Yeah, and- it's scary. I think it's actually, it's becoming worse. It's... Um, we are so intolerant of anyone saying, hey, can we take a closer look at this thing and maybe consider that it may need some change? Um, it's becoming really scary. I think if you're a journalist in this country and the things that you want to work on have any shade of criticism or asking someone to be a bit more introspective, it's, yeah, it's becoming worse. There was sure. one time when I post a lot, when I was starting out, I posted an interview of you and Fatima Bhutto together on mm-hmm. my story. And I started getting hate messages. Oh no. For that. About and our interview? About your interview. And I'm like, this Why? is weird. I don't know. Did we say something bad? I think it was because you just criticized, you just talked about, you know, the need for improvements and you just kind of so that's just complaints. great that i gave that imran khan answer and now oh. <laughs> both of our inboxes are gonna have yeah um yeah we're used to it. I, I'm, <laughs> I think you're used to it by now you know yeah do you also do this thing i noticed on instagram where you kind of like post newspapers but they're like blocked out like headlines mm-hmm. are blocked out what is that and you do it like every day i think or you oh to. where i read um that was that actually started while i was working on the book i really missed being in the newsroom i really missed talking about the news and having that engagement with people that i worked with and also it's pretty much a hermit while i was working on the book and somehow i just kind of started doing a thing where i read all these papers every day for work it's part of my job it's what i do 
and I just share bits that I found interesting or silly or that really show you how weird this place can sometimes be. Um, how you some like you can't make up some of this stuff. Honestly, yeah. it's hilarious sometimes. Um, and I started sharing it on and then Instagram stories. Actually, I think when that started, that just made it much easier. So every morning I kind of go through the papers, anything that I find interesting, good, bad. Um, there are things that I will never comment on. I think now it's become religious stuff in the army. I'll really reserve that for days when I genuinely feel like, okay, I should say something. And then I'll, I'll just not look at my inbox after that. Um, Whoa. but yeah, it's just become it's a thing. Low. It's, it's, it was a way it started out just as a way for me to feel like I wasn't such a hermit, just living at home, working on this book in complete isolation. It was nice to sort of chat about the news with people. And now it's just become this thing where people message me and they're like, which newspaper should I subscribe to? Which one should I read? I get so many people. I don't actually understand this, but so many people who are doing the CSS exams and they look, yeah, and I don't get it. And they're like, thanks so much for sharing the news every day because I don't bother reading it on my own. So I just look at what you share and I'm like, yeah, that's not such a good thing. That's not something no, I would not. brag about. Um, people are a lot yeah, easier these continue. days. You know, yeah. no offense, but uh, people will just like ask me questions when they can literally just Google the question. Yes. Oh my God. The number of messages I get, the two most frequent messages I get. Number one, how do you draw your lines so straight? And I'm like, seriously, guys? <laughs> number two, uh, can you send me a link for this article? And I'm like, the headline is right there. You yes. can literally Google it. You can look this up on your own. It's not on some secret web that I have, it's out there in the world. I don't know. I don't know. Me too. Like the questions that I get asked are you can just <laughs> literally just Google it and it took you the same amount of energy yeah. and time to just do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like what did you do with the time that you saved messaging me, asking me for a link that I'm never going to send you? Also, I just truly, truly just to avoid that really want to, I know this sounds so lame, but can Instagram just give me the swipe up link thing so that people just stop messaging me, asking followers. me for I know, can I just get to 10K because I'm so sick of the like, send me links and or they'll just write link question mark. Yes, I'm like, yes. Do as well, but I started to, and I don't even, it's not even like I'm that big or whatever, but this really um, made me realize I need to be more well behaved in public generally is I'll share something like this happened to me with the protest that just happened in Karachi. This was against that. Um, it was a protest against the rape that had taken place and the sort of pub, the government's response to it. And I shared this picture of someone who was handing out, I thought it was really well organized. And there was, uh, there were a couple of people roaming around. They were handing out hand sanitizer mm -hmm. um, and just trying to sort of make sure everyone was wearing masks and things like that. And I took a picture and I shared it. And I was like, it's so great that these volunteers were doing this. And this girl messages me and she's like, oh my God, it's you. You took my picture and it was so nice to meet you. And I didn't even realize it was you. And I was like, oh no, imagine if I had done something rude or it's like, that. this, is, this isn't the first time it's happened. There's been people that will recognize me at airports and then they'll message me later on Instagram and be like, oh, it was you. Like, you're the one that said this, this and this or was doing this or... I'm like, oh, I need to be more well-behaved in public now. Does that stop you from putting your face out there more? Or do you think you don't really care? Uh, no, I definitely care. Um, I think that's something that I do. Like, even with the book, I didn't want to do any TV interviews in Pakistan and things like that. I was just really wary of the response. 
and being public in that way, um, I didn't know what the response would be like to the book. And I also didn't want to kind of enter a very, like when you go on TV or when you're really recognizable in that way, I think it just puts you in a very separate space. I've seen how you think so? a lot of female, yeah, I've seen how a lot of my um, friends who are female journalists, how some of the, the ways in which they might get treated or the sort of hate that they receive. I have no interest in engaging with anything like that. Um, do you have anything you want to add or you want to say something before we end it? Um, no. I think I'm good. Thank you so much. All right, Essen. Thanks so much. Take Have care. a good day. You too. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Bye.